0: Welcome to the Brown Girl Rising podcast. I'm your host Uri Rishi, and I'm so happy to have you here. We are here to celebrate you and incredible inspirational women of colour from around the world. Women who are breaking down cultural barriers, who are smashing through glass ceilings and women who have experienced trauma and challenges and risen from these challenges. I'm so excited, so let's dive in. Hi guys, welcome to the Brown Girl Rising podcast. Today I have a really special guest with me. It is Dr. Nita Prashan. She is amazing, a multifaceted lady, an entrepreneur, a CEO, a two-time author of Emotional Grit and That's Up Now What, the host of The Brave Table, a leader, a performance coach, a speaker, a change maker and a mother to two gorgeous kids. Nita helps people bounce back and fly forwards after a fall or trauma. And this came from her experiencing multiple traumas herself through childhood and into adulthood. She's also the reason this podcast exists today. Before actually meeting Nita at the highest self-weekender, I learned from her in DCI and she was one of my coaches and I was completely inspired and blown away that I actually had the cheek to reach out to her and ask her to be on my podcast one day when I launched it and her response was consider it done now go and start so she gave me the push and within a week there was a podcast there was a trailer and now today we're on episode 20. So thank you Nita for being the encouraging open and warm human that you are Mm -hmm. and for joining me on today's podcast Brown Girl Rising. So how are you?
1: Oh my gosh I'm so excited for this. (laughs) Wow. I'm like, okay, after one conversation, you actually, you you did it. So here we are. Here we are. So thank you for that.
0: But so look, this is about you today. And I want to introduce you to the people that I know. So I want to know, first of all, what does it mean to you to be unlimited?
1: Hmm. So when I think of unlimited, I think of unapologetic, I think of breaking barriers and standing in your own power, in your own truth, kind of cutting ties to our cultural karmas, our cultural obligations, pissing more people off uh, at the expense of many times putting yourself first. And I think that allows us to fly. And I I talk a lot about flying forward and being unlimited allows you to fly forward, upward, backwards, flip over, uh, be that unicorn in your life and also create those ripple effects for, for those who are probably listening today. So I'm, I'm really,
0: I love that that question. I love that. I love that. Now, you mentioned um, breaking down cultural barriers, and you've done a lot of that in your life. So can you just do a little recap? Obviously, I know your story, but could you do a little recap of how you became the woman you are today and what you went through and the barriers that you had to kind of break or the glass ceilings you had to crash through?
1: Ooh, wow. Ooh. Okay, That's a half an hour
0: conversation, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I'll start where, where most people I think maybe, uh, you know, are at potentially in their own lives. I think for me, one of my biggest dreams was, you know, to get married and, you know, as they say, get married before 30, get married before 30, find somebody before, you know, 25 or have your kids before 30, all of those things that was like fully etched in my upbringing. I was, my dad, uh, was Punjabi. My mom was, um, Filipino. And so a lot of uh, the cultural obligations to do, to achieve, to perform um, and to, you know, serve others. And some are listening. They're like, okay. and what? What's wrong with that? And I think there's this at the expense of and at the expense of my own dreams, my own desires, uh, didn't even know who I was. And so a lot of times chasing all of these accolades for like the external validation from my dad, from relatives, etc. The thing for me is that I got into very toxic and codependent relationships. I now have a podcast as well. um, And it's top 100 in mental health and, you know, emotional health relationships Mm -hmm. called the brave table. And it's really all around helping us, you know, rewire and unwire what we've been taught. Well. I didn't know any of those things. I don't think a lot of us know, right? Because we have the Bollywood movies and the Bollywood, you know, all of that. And so for me, I wanted to recreate a family that I'd lost because by the age of 19 and between 10 and 19, I would not only be a caretaker to my mom, um, but then I would see her go through a six-year battle with breast cancer. And then Mm. I would lose my brother, to an asthma attack a year after my mom died. And so, and then at 18, my dad was diagnosed with nine months to live with his lung cancer. So before 19, I'm an orphan and I'm also a caretaker to my youngest brother who was almost 14. And so, um, so I rush into my twenties, you know, having this idea of what love was. And in my life, love was, I'm not letting any relationship go because I was so afraid to be alone. My core wound was, was abandonment. And so while I excelled in school and, and, you know, distraction and all of these mechanisms of success, success, success was in the back of my mind because of how I was raised. Mm. I didn't really know myself. And I, 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 yes, excelled in one way. I went to dental school, had a practice, had a seven-figure practice before I was 30, all of the things, the bells and the whistles and the trappings of success. I found myself, um, on December 31st, 2011, just trapped and December 31st, New Year's Eve. And so when everyone is celebrating what they're going to be doing in their life and, and what the next year holds, I was literally crouched down on fetal position in the master bedroom of my home that I thought I had made it, but I was so afraid of my life. So afraid if this person that I was now married to was going to hit me again, I was so afraid of what the world would think, knowing that this broken girl, and I say this in quotes, broken because I thought I was broken, Mm. but she had to break in order to let Mm. people in. And that was the first time I would allow not only, friends, family members, aunts, uncles, people that I was so respectful to, to say, I need help and I mm-hmm. can't do this on my own. And that then charted the next seven years and the next seven years of coming back to myself, unapologetically being able to begin the process of healing and not just traditional therapy. Cause I went to therapy when I was in my teens, this was different. It was you know, stepping into all different kinds, going to the ashrams, my dad went to visiting all the temples, you know, that our lineage, our cultures grew up at. I, I took it so for granted, you know, and I, and spending time with different shamans in different cultures, different places all over the world, from Peru to, you know, Ecuador to Bali, to, um, to Vietnam, to, you know, all over the world, um, to finally arrive at, you know, peace. And Mm -hmm. I think that peace, and it's the inner peace and the inner peace of you already know, um, and the inner peace of following my Dharma and, and, and that was unshackling and unlearning all of the things and cutting those karmic cords, um, that were those obligations, those cultural karmas, Uh, to really arrive at where, you know, where I am today, writing books around emotional health um, and around emotional resilience and uh, doing things with people that I really love, uh, which is where you come into the fold. We started Dharma Coaching Institute as a result of, you know, our karmic paths, my co-founder I Sahara, because we knew that women looking like us, being like us, didn't really exist, that we were the brown sheep, the rainbow sheep to do something completely different. And people still ask me today, Hey, do you still have your dental license? What, you know, what happened? (laughs) And I sold, you know, I sold the company. I sold, I I kind of relieved all of that. So you mean to say you don't practice? Nope. I don't. Do you miss it? No, I don't. Um, so anyone listening to this, thinking that they are in between relationships or maybe friendships, or maybe stuck in their lives? Um, you know, maybe uh, there's there's something for you to check in with. Mm. What is that next evolution of of where you're going? I love that. that. Thank you so much for that. And
0: you're right with the whole relationship thing. Like I'm in between, I wouldn't say in between, I've ended a relationship. And I keep thinking, you know, is it, what I want to go. I, I keep seeing with rose tinted glasses, you know, like it was great, but it wasn't always great. And so me trying to go back there or have a conversation or try and pull him back into my life is not going to favor me going forward at all. Um, You speak in your book about after the divorce, you kind of just uprooted your life and came to Europe and thought that Europe would be this incredible start for you but actually you still had some of those doubts and fears and kind of people looking at you oh you're orphaned oh you're divorced like can you just kind of explain how that trip made you as well like you know what was it about that trip that
1: oh my gosh yeah I still so this is going to date me a little bit but (laughs) you know the first time I went to you know to Europe was a year after my dad died and it was literally finding the first study abroad, you know, whatever it was to get me out of my suck and out of my circumstance of, you know, this has been literally for all of my teen years, I didn't know anything other than grief. I didn't know anything other than struggle. I didn't know anything other than, oh, I can have a crush on this person and this person that would distract me from like, going to see my parents, you know, in dying in hospital settings. And, and that's as kind of real as it got. Yeah. Um, And so there was something in my soul that was just like, I don't care about anything, anyone. I had my, you know, my aunts and my grandmother, they were just like, what are you doing? I'm like, yep, it's for school. I'm going for school. Um, got into all of the things and landed in Rome and landed in Rome. And that summer changed my life. I have such a a deep soul connection with Roma, with Italy. Uh, I've been back now, you know, almost, um, annually for the last, you know, 20 years, um, you know, annually I say, or every other year, but I've made it a point to visit all the, you know, different spots And in that particular trip. Uh, there's a concept that I talk about in the book called your bounce factor, and your bounce factor is literally there's four pillars of building what I like to call your resiliency, and not just resiliency of mental toughness of what everyone you know talks about on those memes or when you look at a you know motivational video. I'm talking about resiliency as in your ability to also feel soft, your ability to also feel vulnerable to share. You know that summer. I was with so many other students from around the globe and that was the first time I would be away from trauma, mm-hmm. I would be away from setbacks, challenges that I would be even though it was like, you know, 90 degrees and humid, no AC in our dorms. I'm like living life to the <laughs> fullest and I'm like this is what joy is like oh my goodness, this is what being unlimited is like yeah. to actually not have that weight or, you know, the mental weight a lot of times or the emotional weight that we carry mm-hmm. so often. And then I could recreate who I was because way back in Chicago, I was the girl that lost her family before she was 19. And, yeah. oh, we have to we have to pity her. Oh God, can you believe that? Can you believe she would go? And, and here I could choose to share what I felt like sharing Mm -hmm. where and when I could choose what parts of my story could come along. And I could be, um, you know, I could be so solid and so present in who I was going to share it with because many times we don't want to share it with everyone and that's okay. And many times you find your soul people and you're like, all right, we're going to go deeper. And and I I found the delineation that there are different types of people. Not everyone deserves to hear your no, story. They really don't. And and that's you know and that's okay, right? But where I grew up, everyone knew everything. And so <laughs> I didn't know how to not share um, all of that until you walked into and you change what I like to call your current environment. That's the second mm. pillar of your bounce factor. The first part is making peace with the past, making peace with your upbringing, making peace that I lost three members of my family and I couldn't do a damn thing about it. I was yeah. not in control. Yeah. Um, as much as I tried to, as much as I tried to all of the things and, uh, and, and with the second, you know, pillar with your current environment this also shifts into you know the the relationships that you have the friendships that you have um are you actually putting yourself out there i didn't know a single soul in italy at 20 um and i still have friends to this day that they're in different parts of the world and those friendships from one summer still carried on and it's just so beautiful and magical and i think that you know, we get to choose our soul family, um, mm-hmm. you know, and in, in those ways. And, you know, you've obviously experienced that Yes, at our, um, highest self weekend. And I think in other touch points, you know, the experiences that we have. And for me, I dove heavily into plant medicine, healing, psychedelics, Uh, you know, different, like ecstatic dance, uh, all different Mm. kinds of dance. That's not just your performative dance that we grew up with doing, but just in your own essence, in your own flow. Uh, One of the things that I, you know, I ended up doing before I met, this was a year before I met my now husband was I married myself in Bali in the Southern. Oh, wow. of Bali, I married myself in Uluwatu. And this was a homage, you know, an, an homage to myself of what are we willing to do where this can be a reminder for you that you are going to put yourself first. And now it may sound cliche, it might sound, but I think that so often as women, especially coming from these backgrounds, you know, it, it took me a really long time to really believe to receive, to receive love Mm. from friends, other people, strangers that I'm like, oh, this is not like a, an agenda, here, (sighs) but to actually open arms and say, okay, I receive this. I receive this compliment. Mm. I receive the help that you're going to give me, but also pouring into myself what I was searching for in other people, including men. And so this was my vow to myself that I was always going to fill myself first, my cup first, and um, you know, a year later, I get a came along. <laughs> uh, he 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 was always in the surface, yeah. in different paths, and different community gatherings, and we were always intersecting each other um and then we finally yeah we finally uh got together in 2016. I love that um I feel like
0: I need to go back I mean I've only just returned from Bali so I feel like I need to go back to Uluwatu and marry myself
1: now. There you go (laughs) I mean the southern tip facing uh I think it's the Indian Ocean. Yeah it is Um... amazing so (laughs) I want to talk about your book that sucked now
0: what so what was it that made you write this book and why do you feel it's needed
1: today? oh wow yeah so uh, it, so i think that you know for me there were there's a chapter in my book um it's the it's in the afterword around where you know you finally got the the man of your dreams and you're finally saying yes to um to motherhood and you know, there was a time after my divorce, I didn't want to have kids and I didn't even think I wanted to get married again. And even when, you know, Ajit and I said that we were going to get together, you know, it was having a union because I I couldn't even utter the words marriage out, out of my mouth. And, and I think because, you know, many times marriage feels like a forever sacrament or you know this like you're locked in a cage or prison i've i've heard so many different iterations uh especially if somebody's had a bad breakup or they just went through it they're like nope it's not for me and i think i wanted to redefine what marriage meant in so many ways and so we actually had different unions around the world and we still call them unions
0: oh wow
1: um But I think that, you know, when I entered motherhood, that was a different layer of identity and it was a different layer of identity because I was a very sovereign woman. I was so independent and I'm like, okay, I'm merging with this other amazing, huge force in the world. And we both have our, you know, our desires, our livelihood, and how are we going to now, you know, intermesh our worlds together and that too, you know, start a family. Mm. And so there was a lot of like identity pieces that came up. And of course, you know, a lot of things that I still, I thought I'd done a lot of my healing. And of course, when you meet the right person, a lot more of your triggers, your own things kind of come up to the surface. Well, a lot of unresolved anger and unresolved grief of just me and postpartum depression. There's this thing called postpartum rage that came up. I And, and this is all under the umbrella of postpartum depression yes. um, where you just feel like you are out of control in your emotions in, and many times this happens to type a women, women who are very independent and strong and they're not used to receiving support. Yes. They're not used to receiving help. And I just retracted all the way into, you know, you were at day two inner teenager and I retracted all the way into my inner teenage years. Well, during my teenage years, I had the most amount of trauma. I had lost three members of my family. And I remember when my dad got the diagnosis of stage four lung cancer, I remember looking at the doctors and I'm like in disbelief. And I'm like, how, you know, so angry. I was so mad. I'm like, how could you tell me this? And I had to keep it together. And I was, I wanted to curse them out, you know, not that it was their fault, but I was just like, I just was so angry. Like, why me? Why is this happening? And those feelings resurfaced and those memories even resurfaced when I had my son, like, you know, I was so angry. I'm like, why are you helping me? I was like yelling at my mother-in-law, probably not the thing to do to yell at your Indian mother-in-law. Yeah. And, And just so many things, and my husband's just like, "Are are we okay? Is this supposed to happen?" Where I really needed to reconcile um, the duality that I just gave birth to this beautiful, amazing little human that's ours, but why am I feeling so resistant that I want to do everything and I want to, you know, make sure that you know he's okay and and like snapping at everyone. And I had to reconcile those those emotions, all of that grief and all of the suppression that I never really was allowed to emote. Because when I was growing up, everyone was like, nope, Mitha, you're strong. Yeah. You're resilient. You, you're okay. You're okay. You don't need to cry. They're with you. They're with you. And it was like, imagine just going through it day after day. And you're like, I'm going to hold it together because everyone told mm-hmm. me to do so. And so then fast forward when I'm like in the most vulnerable state, you know, and um, needing support because you have to mother the mother in the 40 days, you know, in the Ayurvedic traditions where they mother you. And I was like, no, get away. (laughs) Oh, it was, it was even worse. It was like, (laughs) it was like, no way. And I had to be like, why am I acting this way? And You know, then I started to do a lot of inner child work, a lot of reparenting myself and seeing my, you know, my son. And then two years later we had my daughter. Same thing. My postpartum wasn't as long yet this you know, this medicine, they were my medicine and they were the medicine to teach that, you know, what had embraced the joy and chaos and find magic in the mess. And I realized all of the layers in my story, the, the various different chapters and the various different, uh, students that I had mentored or coached over the years, all brought a little bit of like that sucked now, what, and what was the now, what going to look like in motherhood. Whereas my now what, after my breakup, after my, you know, my relationship, after friendship breakups were so different. And this book is a culmination of all of those chapters. Doesn't matter if you're in motherhood, doesn't matter if you're not in motherhood, doesn't matter if you're single now. It's for everyone who has gone through some sucky moments. And I have wow. two specific frameworks that really supports redefining resiliency in your life. That's not just go, 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 let's get over it tough. Because I was like that for pretty much most of my early life to now reframe it and say, ah, okay, well, what is that grief telling me or what is that anger telling me or what's that jealousy showing me that, you know, I'm not allowing myself to fully fly in my own ways. Um, and so, and, and that how now what was born.
0: Yeah. Amazing. So it sounds like when you were younger and before all this happened, you were very much in your masculine. And in that suck now what, there's a lot of feminine energy that comes through um, even with the embodiment practice and stuff. So I do want to talk about the fly forward framework in a second, but I want to ask you first, like if someone finds themselves in a mess, right? And they're searching for the magic and the mess, Like, what would you say is the most important thing that they do in that moment?
1: Oh, to even just embrace it, to embrace it. It's so easy to numb, distract, avoid. We want to avoid ourselves of the pain. So we call our friends, right? So we, we, we pick up our phone, Mm. we start scrolling, we get that dopamine hit. We search for any sort of dopamine, whether it's a book, magazine, retail therapy, you know whatever weed smoking up the next the next thing the next course the next thing right to occupy ourselves to occupy this our heart mm. to occupy our our bodies and when can we actually sit in the suck and allowing ourselves and you know this uh, Ravashi, to sit in the suck for 60 to 90 seconds to actually allow the intensity of the emotions to fully envelop your body and like mm. you're probably like fuck me that I can't do that. Well maybe you can maybe you can set yeah. your timer for 60 seconds. You know, scientists say it takes 60 seconds, 60 to 90 seconds to fully feel an emotion yeah. and to allow that to come up. You might shed some tears, but guess what tears actually shed cortisol. Cortisol is that stress hormone. Can we allow ourselves to just be in the suck for 60 to 90 seconds And it's a muscle. It's a practice. It's like meditating. You're not going to be good at it in the beginning. You're going to say, oh my God, this is so painful. This is so painful. This is so painful. Why am I doing this? I want to just like get on IG right now and just distract myself with like cat videos. But to allow yourself to sit in the sock, that's number one. Two- to embrace what happened because many times we're just suppressing it and we're suppressing it in our mind. We're like, Nope, it's not so bad. It's not not so bad. Or we're ruminating. How could they do this to me? How could they, how could they say this? And they never, you know, they, they they, it never went through. I never got that promotion. I never got the thing. I never got the gig. You know, they said that they were going to give me a second chance, whatever. We start ruminating instead of just saying, wow, that really hurt. I feel really hurt. I feel really slighted. I feel really betrayed right now to say it out loud, to actually acknowledge mm. the feeling and the emotion, because what that means is, well, we're releasing it. It's like a pressure valve, you know, the pressure cookers that all of our moms have. Yep. We're releasing all that pressure. And then we say, oh, okay, maybe it wasn't It wasn't that bad or wow, I, okay, I feel so much lighter because I was just able to say it out loud and not keep it bottled Mm. up inside where you're already going to burst. Those are initially the two things. Um, you know, there's a, there's kind of a five-step process in the book, how to embrace the sucky moments as they come up in your day. And I'll just give you the last, the third step. There's more, but you know, that third step is just to, you know, allow continue to allow you might not be in the presence of forgiving anybody or anything or not even yourself you might not even want to see the silver lining you know you might just want to be in the fullness of the grief the anger the sadness and allow it allow it sometimes it's more than the 60 to 90 seconds so
0: Oh, I know. I've been there. And I love, actually, it's, it's not like I love being in that space, but actually sometimes I actually want to just feel those emotions. There's been times in my life where I've spoken to somebody and gone, this is how I feel. And they're like, yeah, but you have a great life. You have your own apartment. You have a great car. You have this. I'm like, yeah, but that's not what this is about. I just need to feel. And that's what I loved about The Highest Self Weekend. And I can't wait for the next one, that we actually got to feel. I cried I laughed I screamed like it was I shook my body it was just
1: magical the entire experience um well and remember you said you said to me you're like I don't know if I'm going to like this because I'm too British and I don't know if this is going to be an American thing and I'm like okay and then day 3 yeah. what did you say
0: <laughs> I said I lo- I loved every second honestly when I walked in I was like oh my god I'm like one of three British people here <laughs> and I'm like this is so American like I feel <laughs> I'm quite a loud Brit and I got there and I felt like a very reserved Brit but then in day 3 I was like here I am I'm open <laughs>
1: take me as I am oh, I love it I I just love seeing your transformation it, was, it was
0: incredible so with regards to the fly forward framework there's was it four five steps four steps yeah five um steps, right?
1: yeah. uh yes five steps yes. yes yes
0: and can you just take us through kind of like just quickly obviously you know people will read this book they have to read this book it's an incredible but just how to like go from feeling that stuck feeling stuck To going right I'm there I'm going for
1: it yeah so the first stage of flying forward is the fall Mm. is recognizing okay all right this happened I got the diagnosis I got laid off I found out this person was cheating on me I found out that you know maybe I don't see a life with this person at all um So the, you know, it's, it's almost like you are on the precipice of making the change Mm. and, you know, then we get into the ignition and the ignition stage. Now this is all about, all right, I got to make a decision. Am I going to break up with this person or are we going to go see a therapist? Am I going to get the support that I need? Am I going to hire a coach? Am I going to find a second opinion for this thing? And you know, it's kind of like that fire under your belly. What you did before is not working where I have to make a different decision. I have to do something else. And I honestly don't know what that something else is, but I'm willing to try because everything that I've tried in the past has got me kind of in the same soup in the same situation. And so you're willing to try something new. And people ask me, well, what if you're not willing to? Then I'm like, well, you're not going to be on this fly forward path. You're going to just still be in that same soup of a fall and an ignition, fall and an ignition. And many times in life, you're there will be, you know, the universe will give you those tests and tribulations and in trials, and it's up to you to actually say, okay, am I going to take this ignition? this next time? Am I going to keep going? Uh, this person showed me again that they're not a, a, that right person for me or they're not the right friend for me. Am I going to still continue to be their friend or do I have to have a difficult conversation? Mm. And so then we get into the rising stage. Now, rising, magnifying and thriving. These are the three layers I like to say because in th- in rising, we are actually starting to literally be the phoenix from the ashes and, and rise up into, you know, we're, we're wobbly like a toddler walking for the first time. We are uncertain, but we're also bracing the uncertainty because we know we don't have all the answers. And when you're operating out of curiosity, you're kind of like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can go to Europe. Maybe I can go sit with some shamans. Maybe I can go do this like highest self weekend retreat for three days and I don't know anybody there I don't know what to expect <laughs> but all right I'm gonna say yes to it and then we get into magnifying mm. then we're like oh I want to I want to do more of this like where can I go to another one of these or can I can I create something in my own hometown because Which we're I've done by the way I, I see I love it you're magnifying right now and and the thing is is we're also being really clear with our boundaries. We're also gaining internal confidence of who we are and we're walking towards our path of our dharma. And really our dharma is our soul's highest expression of who we are calling ourselves to be in this next evolution of who we are. And that magnifying is also like, okay, well, maybe I will say yes to this date. I'm gonna be unattached to the outcome because you're so focused on just the present. You're not focused on like the future or whatever. You're focused on magnifying more of what you've already cultivated. And then in thriving, well, thriving is just you're flourishing. It doesn't mean that you're never going to go through a suck. It doesn't mean you're ever going to, never going to have a fall again because, you know, basically it's cyclical, but thriving just means you're checking in and you have something what I call a POC, a, a personal observation check in. And this is, how are you actually feeling? How are you feeling when you're with this person? Are they lighting you up or are they depleting your energy? Do they give you life or do they take from you? And so you're noticing and you know, you're know you also embedding what I like to call your RSA, your radical self-awareness of what is in alignment with you and what's mm. no longer in alignment with you. At that stage, knowing that, all right, with this next fall, I have all the tools. I have all the tools that are going to equip me so I can actually do the work and I can see what my triggers are. I can see my patterns of how I've behaved in the past so that I can start working on those. So it's an ever evolving Mm. uh, framework yeah and if you guys
0: want to dive deeper I do highly recommend getting that sucked now what and also the the conversation cards are amazing oh, I used yeah. them on a train with some colleagues before I left my job by the way I've left my job um That's yeah. yes, I I have my <laughs> and I found out stuff about my colleagues that I would never have found out before and it was so deep it was amazing
1: so So amazing incredible
0: so nita i know you have to go soon but can you tell us um, if somebody wants to buy the book follow you listen to the podcast how do they find you and come into your world
1: Oh my goodness. Well, get the book at that suckednowwhat.com. You can just go there and basically it'll take you my to my website and the website's com. That's where you'll see podcasts, The Brave Table. You'll see all the ways uh, that you can get into mastering your emotions, feeling your emotions and all of the things. Yeah, so Arvashi, say. thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much. I think next time I'm going to join you. Uh, was it, uh, was it Lithuania you went to or something like that? For that? Oh, we um, were in Estonia. What, Estonia. That's it. I will definitely be there next time for the Epicoke. Oh, three. you'll
1: love it. You will love it. It'll be so <laughs> much fun. Thank you so
0: much, Nita. Um, thank you guys. And we will see you on the next podcast.